Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And Randy's back in the office. I actually am, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll get into that trip a little bit here in a second. But uh, to talk about what we're doing today, the question on our mind is, does God have a sense of humor? Does Jesus have a sense of humor? Um, to which I still, we're filming this right now, and I don't know that I have an answer, but maybe by the end we will. I hope so. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into that, but first we're going to go hear from our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. All right. So, how was your trip, man? Well, hey, yeah, I got to visit my brother and my sister. I got to see the Grand Canyon. Got to see the Red Rocks of Sedona. New age capital of the world. Yeah, yeah. We were, <laughs> we were talking about how you were not aware of that going out there. I was not. Now, Linda apparently was. But, uh, yeah, we stayed in a motel. Right next to the motel was a shop called The Magic Crystal. And next to that, we could have gone in and had our aura photographed for us. Yeah. What does an aura look like? Do you really not know what that is? I do. Okay. I do kind of. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently everybody's like aura is a different color and it determines like what kind of person you are. Actually, interesting fact. Um, I don't know that this is like every time you see this in pictures, but I've heard that that's why like in uh, Eastern culture, you'll see like a little uh, like a golden aura around teachers like Jesus and Buddha. Or Muhammad, oh, really? because they're enlightened. So, like in the paintings, what is that? Oh, like in, in like paintings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry, I thought yeah, you said plantings. I was so, like, I don't I'm know sorry. what that. Is. It's okay. Yeah. I was just confused. Um, but yeah, I guess that's uh, maybe. The, I mean, I'm sure the Catholic Church has different reasoning for that. But like in certain cultures, that's that's an enlightened thing. That's why they do Interesting. that. Yeah, it's interesting and total garbage. But it's yeah. all good. Yeah, it's whatever. God has to laugh at that. I would think so. <laughs> he has to think that's stupid, but you know, no big deal. Um, regardless, we're talking about does, does God have a sense of humor? And, uh, that's, that's a huge question. Uh, it's, I don't know how theologically relevant this question is, but it's fun and I'm curious. Probably and, not much at all, but uh, hey. I don't know, that's man. It's never stopped us before. There's got, there's got to be some significance to this concept. Um, 
And I'll, I'll lead with this. First of all, let me just say, this was uh, Chris McFall, who's been on this podcast before, yep, pulled yep. me aside the other day. He's like, I got one for you. And I'm like, what? He's like, does God have a sense of humor? I was like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know. Ask Randy. Let's see. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. We'll find out, I guess. We'll we'll talk about this. Um, I read one article just right out of the gate. It said, Jesus had a sense of humor. He was human. So he had a sense of humor. And I think there's a lot to that yeah, personally yeah, yeah. Um, because the thing is like we laugh at funny things. Yeah. He was human and if we it, – it's like it's a natural thing and it's a good thing to laugh. Oh, definitely. At, 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 at good things. Well, right? yeah. You, you can laugh <laughs> at bad things and then it's no longer a good well, thing. Well, you can laugh at other people and turn it into a bad thing. But, uh, exactly. But like, you know, when you see something funny and goofy and you yeah, laugh at it, yeah. that's great. It makes us feel good, right? Like I've actually read things about laughter being good for your health. Right, that yes, it like I've elongates your life. Now, I've whether or not that's true, oh, I think it is. It's got to be. Yeah, but at the same time, it's also a little woo-woo. So you know, <laughs> talk talk about did they did they melt your brain in Sedona? Is that what happened? That that's what, must have been. I'm just, yeah, I'm yeah. just kidding. But um, I I do I think that you know we are made to be imagers of God, image bearers of mm-hmm, God. Mm-hmm. And so if laughter comes naturally to us when we see something funny or cute or – because like how many times do you laugh at something cute? Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. like a baby does something goofy and you just start laughing. A baby giggling will set me off every time. You just can't help but laugh. Right. And not just babies but like laughter in general is a contagious thing. Yep. Like when you're around yep. a bunch of other people laughing, it's so easy to laugh. Have you ever laughed till it hurt? Yes, that's I have. The, the best and Frequently. the worst. It's so funny, man. It's so funny <laughs> and it hurts so bad. But enough of that. Like, I, I want to get into you know, what's the Bible say about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. What do you got for me? Well, uh, so uh, let me start with the story. The story is about a fellow by the name of J. Elton Trueblood. Trueblood is a New Testament uh, theologian. He he wrote quite a bit, probably about 80 years ago or so. And he wrote a book called The Humor of Jesus. And uh, as he opens the book, he tells a story how he was doing family devotions. And he was reading a story, and one of his kids started giggling. And he said, be quiet. And his son said, but it's funny. And he said, what's funny? Well, he was reading the story where Jesus says, you hypocrites, you want to take the speck of sawdust out of the eye of your friend, and you have a branch in your own eye. So his son was picturing this guy trying to take this tiny little speck of sawdust out of the out of the eye of somebody else when he's got a log sticking out of his eye. Yeah. And his son said, that's funny. And he was right. And True Blood, True Blood realized he is absolutely right. So he started looking through scripture. That's like totally a far side comic. It is. Like, like I it could is. picture that in yeah. a comic somewhere, you know? So True Blood actually wrote a whole book on the humor of Christ. And uh I don't have it anymore. I did it once. Uh, I uh, gave it away, apparently. So uh, in one of my many movings and uh, paring down my uh, my library, 
I got rid of it, unfortunately. But it's I remember it's one of the few books of that sort that I think I read twice, maybe three times. I enjoyed it so much. Hmm. But he's definitely convinced that Jesus had a sense of humor. Now, Jesus' sense of humor is not a ha-ha sense of humor. Uh, he doesn't tell jokes like we would think of jokes. But we have a lot of puns. That's not to say he couldn't have. Oh, we, he could But we have. don't have that. They just didn't record. get written down in scripture. Right. Right. The authors of scripture thought uh, maybe what he says about salvation and forgiveness is more important yeah. than, than that knee slapper over there. Exactly. So, uh, but even in what he does say, there are a lot of puns and a lot of sarcasm yeah. that Jesus has. And those are forms of humor. Well, when you mention sarcasm and, and like sadly, it, and I'm just going to show my hand here, like this is the one thing that comes to mind <laughs> when I think about whether Jesus has a sense of humor or not. So I hope that you bring the fire and we got something to talk about <laughs> because I'm thinking about this. And the one thing that's always stuck out to me that Jesus just had to have a smirk on his face when he said it was when the woman comes to Jesus and asks for his help and he says, I didn't come to feed the dogs. I came to feed the children of Israel. Yeah. Right? Right, right. Because right. she's a Samaritan woman. Right. And they're looked at as dogs in dogs, this culture. Yeah. And he says, I didn't come to feed the dogs. And she looks at him and says, well, even the dogs get to eat the scraps from the master's table from time to time. And then he smiles. Like, I can't imagine he's not smiling at this point yeah. because yeah. they just had this snarky little exchange. Yep. And then he's like – you know, your faith is real. Your faith's good. Like he's pleased with the fact yeah. that she just like gave it back to him. Yeah. But like Jesus loved people. So the fact that he's calling this a woman or this woman a dog, there's no way it's done out of like hatred or anger right. or because he thinks that she's less than. There's another reason here. One is to get a rise out of her yeah. to see if her faith is true, that she's going to press forward. But two, like he's he's got to have some level of sarcasm here, calling yeah. this woman a dog to her face because she knows and he knows that any Jew would say that, that would think that. Right. You know, but but here he is saying it to her. I don't know. It's interesting to me. One of the other ones is uh, when Jesus actually changes – Simon's name changes it to uh, the rock. Yeah. Peter. Yeah. Cephas. And uh, the one that he called that, the one that he chose to name the rock, is probably the most unstable of all of them. He's the one that flies off the handle. He's the one that when uh, when they, they come to arrest Jesus, he grabs a sword and he starts uh, swinging it back and forth and manages to cut off the ear of a slave, an innocent bystander, not right. one of the soldiers. Um, that's the rock. <laughs> right. There had to be a little bit of sarcasm that uh, Jesus uh, kind of intentionally had at that point. Maybe knowing that at some point he would become the rock. But at that point, all the time he's calling him Rocky, nah. Nah, he's not. Interesting. Well, I mean, and and, and we can't get into that too much. Uh, but 
but the, yeah, that the Peter's confession would one day be what Jesus says, you know, it's this, you know, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Um, that Jesus foresaw that, right? Yep. E- even in calling him, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I like that. And, and Peter, none the wiser. Knowing Peter, he probably thought it was literal the whole time. He probably yeah. was like, dude, yeah. I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Um, what I'm thinking of now is, um, when he asks, um, you know, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If, if your son asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Exactly. Like how, yeah. how far the other direction is he throwing it? Right. To, right. to be like, oh, you want something to eat? Well, here's a poisonous animal. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. that's insane. Nobody's going to do that. And so much of you this, want a nice soft egg. Here's a rock. <laughs> exactly. It, it seems like he's painting these word pictures in people's heads, and he understands how efficient that is. The, the longer they sit on that and think about it, it's going to become more absurd. So a lot of it does have to do with the word pictures and and with puns, and we don't pick them up because the words have been translated. They've been translated into right. English for us, but in Aramaic. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, Matthew 3, 9, he says, um, don't say to each other, we're safe, we're descendants of Abraham. It means nothing, I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Well, the Aramaic word for stone is aban, aban. The Aramaic word for son is ban. So he's saying, don't say that you are children, banim, of Abraham. He can make children out of these abanim, stones. Hmm. You get it? Yeah, it, yeah. It because, loses something in the translation. Well, well no, but. that's that's pretty common in Hebrew that a word sounds like another word, and so it's yeah. to call to mind that other exactly. word. Well, like, for exactly. instance, and this is kind of going off course, but to kind of illustrate what you're saying here uh the word for um for snake is nahash right the hebrew word for magic or sorcery is nahesh huh. and so when you hear that right it draws to mind the serpent in the garden right and right, so right, right. somehow there's an alignment between the serpent and this yeah. magic so so similar thing that the the hebrews had a different form of poetry than we did so they that did. that may yeah. be worth noting here that Jesus's sense of humor is going to be very different from probably 
what we're used to on a day-to-day basis. Everybody, every culture has its own sense of humor. I remember getting to Columbia and hearing a guy tell a joke and he roared with laughter at the joke. And I kind of went, (laughs) (laughs) told a joke about a guy that, that was painting, two men who were painting. And one of them was painting saying la cucaracha, la cucaracha, and was just, you know, paintbrush flying. And the other was was saying la vida hay que aguantarla. Uh, you have to just put up with life. And the, the paintbrush is just going super slow. And he roared with laughter. And I thought, okay, where's the punchline? Right. <laughs> now with Jesus, it, it's a little bit similar. We don't see the kind of jokes that we would necessarily put on, uh, you know, a stand-up comedian's roster, but uh, we do get the word plays, the 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 puns, uh, the sarcasm. Matthew twenty three twenty four, Jesus says, um, "Where is it here?" Uh, blind guides talking about the Pharisees. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Hebrew word for gnat is gilma. Hebrew word for camel is gimla. Camel, gimla. Very close. Yeah. You take two letters, you switch them around. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. So that's where that comes. The, the gnat was an unclean animal in the Old Testament. It was one of the insects that legitimately they were supposed to strain out of their water. But Jesus says, you swallow a gimla, you, you, you strain out your gilmas, and you swallow a gimla. Which he's making the point that you, you nitpick the small things and right. then you turn around and you do the worst things possible. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But he's doing it with this insane word picture that even a little kid sitting there la- like hearing this they're is going to laugh. Yeah, yeah. They're going to giggle. That's crazy. But then that kid might think on that for years to come even if he didn't get it right Absolutely then. Absolutely he and would. And that's the point of laughter. And, and I mean humor in general, right? Like think – now I understand comedy today can be super raunchy, can be super dirty. Yeah. But comedy throughout the history of time has had this common theme of pointing out the absurd or right. just showing things with hyperbole in a way to get across a point about the way things are. It's kind of the Jerry Seinfeld's, what's up with that? <laughs> right, right, right. Just pointing out the absurd. Um one of the things – now, I've never actually studied a course in homiletics, but I've read books. And one of the things that I have read is you've, if you can get your audience to laugh, you've got them. Right. Which is interesting. Laughter does communicate. And Jesus uses laughter to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Some of his – I mean, <laughs> some of his jokes may have been – deep digs even or even his his digs on the pharisees are kind of laughable in a way like when he calls them whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones yeah because you're beautiful on the outside but you're dead on the inside that's right i can't help but somebody sitting off at a distance that overheard that went oh (laughs) (laughs) i mean like because 
that may be what people are thinking too right. about the Pharisees. Punch the guy at the side, saying he got that right, didn't it, he? Exactly <laughs> right. Like, or, or when he's talking to uh, when the, you know the Pharisees, they called themselves the sons of Abraham. Right. Right. That 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 would have been how they referred to themselves. Right. That right. they right. believed that they held the throne of Moses. Right. And that they're the sons of Abraham. And so this is lost on a lot of people. And it was lost on me for a long time until I had it spelled out for me. And now I really do think this is what Jesus was saying. But when he talks about Abraham's bosom, I don't believe that he's telling a story about what happens in heaven and what happens in hell. He's getting a dig in on the Pharisees because he's talking to the Pharisees and he says there's a rich man and Lazarus, right? Right. And the rich man, he dies, right? And when he dies, he can see past this great divide – into Abraham's bosom, into paradise, into this, right, yeah, this good yeah. place, but he's in this bad place. And so he sees Lazarus, right? The, ser- the servant on his doorstep right. that he would never show mercy to, right? And he asks him, could I just have a, a drop of water on my tongue? But he can't hear him. He can't see him. He can't respond to him, right? And so people read that and they go, oh, that must be what heaven and hell are like. But the funny thing about that is, is the place is called Abraham's bosom. Yeah. These people call themselves the sons of Abraham. Right. But they wind up in this hell-like place where right. they can't even have water. Right. And Lazarus is the same name as Eleazar. Eleazar, Abraham's Which servant. is Abraham's servant yeah. in Abraham's story. And so Jesus is saying, no, the servant of Abraham is the one that will be in Abraham's bosom. Yeah. You who call yourselves sons of Abraham, you're you're, you're gonna, gonna be, be over there. you're gonna be over there. You're not gonna be anywhere near the good things of life. And so, like that is a very subtle, very poetic dig. Yeah. But to somebody that was familiar in that culture with that story, that hears the name Lazarus and knows the story of Eleazar, right, they right, go, "Oh, right. well, that's the same name. That's like Josh and Joshua." You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And they hear that. And they're off at a distance. Once again, probably going, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a subtlety and mm-hmm. a complexity to these, these pictures Jesus paints. Now there are little, little things all the way through Jesus' teaching. He says, uh, what man lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel? Well, you think about that, you paint that word picture in your head and you can't help but smile. Well, I mean, it would catch it on fire, right? Catch it on fire, but. The whole reason you have a lamp is so, is you can show the so light. that you can see the light. So you don't light a lamp and then hide the light. Right. It's absurd for multiple reasons. Right. Right. The salt that no longer salts. Oh, one of the characteristics of salt is that it doesn't lose its characteristic. Right. Salt always salts. So salt that no longer salts never was salt to begin with. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. If, if if you're salt that's lost your salt, then maybe you should check if you ever whore. Yeah, that's I like right. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus comes to to James and John, and um, it really kind of comes out in uh, the book of John. Uh, Simon and Andrew meet Jesus when Andrew, who is apparently one of John the Baptist's disciples meets Jesus, he goes and finds his brother Simon, introduces him to Jesus, and Jesus says, uh, I'm going to call you Peter. He changes his name. It's a clear invitation to follow him. 
Well, in the book of Mark, Matthew, um, apparently some time has passed. And Simon and Andrew are now fishing. And Jesus comes up to them and calls them. Well, now, what happened between John 1 and Mark 1? Well, apparently, Simon and Andrew followed Jesus for a period of time and then didn't, then left. So Jesus hunts them down. And Mark 1 says very clearly that Jesus hunted them. He sought them. He went to them. And when they turned around, he says, follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for men. Now, they were fishermen. Right. They were fishing for fish. Right. So Jesus says, you want to fish? Fish. But I'll teach you how to fish for men. So there's right. a little bit of a word play there that yeah. it, it, it kind of sh- softens the blow of Jesus saying, why did you leave me? Right. And instead becomes, hey, you want to fish? I'll show you how to fish for men. Let's let's just fish for something different from what you're fishing for. Yeah, I like that. It, it, it's, it's, it really seems like a lot of what, at least what Jesus does with with his sense of humor is he uses it as a tool to spread the gospel. Yeah, yeah. That that he's using these absurdities or these silly pictures to right. really simplify things. Because um, think about it. I mean, when you hear a really good joke, do you remember it? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, like like a really good one. If yeah. something makes you laugh for a while, anyway. Or, exactly. Yeah. But but long enough to maybe even just okay. Think about this. How often do you hear somebody try and tell you a joke and they don't remember all the intricacies yeah. of how to tell it? Yeah. But they're like, well, yeah, but then the point is, you know, that the, the, this happened. And they know – they remember the gist of the joke. They remember the punchline. Maybe they can't make it funny anymore, but they know yeah. the point of that joke. Is is a similar thing happening here with Jesus' parables and his stories yeah. that yeah. it's like you don't have to remember the whole thing. Right. But do you get the point? You probably remember the point, even if you don't remember the whole joke. At the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, paints a picture of of two men. One builds a house, and he makes the foundation out of rock. The other Mm -hmm. one builds a house, and he makes the foundation out of sand. And the obvious happens. Uh, It rains, the floods come, house on the sand falls down. Which is funny, right? Because... These people would be hearing these jokes and they'd be saying – or these stories and they'd be going, oh, yeah, what an idiot, right? It's almost like when Nathan goes to to David and yes. tells him the story about the man who stole the lamb and killed it and all that. And yep. it's just – David gets so mad. He's oh, like, yeah. oh, I can't stand that guy. Bring him here. Right. I'll kill him right here. And, and this is different, right? It's not It's not funny. It's not ha-ha funny. Right, right. It, it, it's like making David mad. It, yeah. Jesus is doing this to – Make it absurd, so he people makes will go smile. Right? What an what an idiot! I can't believe he'd do that. Oh my gosh! And then he drives guy. the point home. But that's what you do. Yeah, you're you're the idiot. <laughs> yeah. You're the fool. Yeah. The person you're calling fool, you do that. You're building your life on sand, and, and it's not that Jesus is calling them 
fools or idiots. It, it's that he's saying, understand the hypocrisy in you. Yeah. Understand that the things you look at other people and look down on them for, you do the same thing. So once again, using this absurdity, this craziness to, to make his point. Now, sometimes uh, Jesus's humor is actually just a little bit, I wouldn't say foul, but uh, it's not socially acceptable. Uh, the disciples come to him, and uh, Jesus says, uh, "Beware of the of the of the teaching of the Pharisees. It's not what goes. What is it? It's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean, but what comes out of your mouth." And of course, the Jews were all about having uh, kosher food, mm-hmm. and if I eat this, I'll be unclean. And Jesus says, "Oh no, 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 no." What goes into your mouth doesn't make you unclean. What comes out of your mouth? And they say to him, what do you mean? All our lives we've been taught, you know, eat kosher food. Uh, This food, lobster is not kosher. Right. Fish has to have scales for us to eat it. So what do you mean? And Jesus says, well, think about what comes out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your heart is is lust and and cursing and and lying and it's what comes out that makes you unclean but he literally says what you what goes into your mouth anything you eat passes through the stomach and goes into the sewer <laughs> yeah He's he's being kind of crude there. Right, right. These things that you spend all of your time thinking about, where do they yeah, end up? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. does it really end up? Um you know, they they had to kind of smile when he said that. Or I mean it's shock value too, yeah, right? Yeah. And and there's well, there's he comedians drove his that, point home there. Well, Paul does the same thing. When he Paul does. talks I mean when he talks about our our righteous works are like filthy rags. He's referring to to the the rags that a woman would use in her me- menstrual tampons. cycle. It's basically right. like old-fashioned tampons. I mean, like that's crude. That's crude, but yep. it, it makes a point, right? And it, it's it's almost laughable. It's so absurd and so messed up. Yeah. Um, and so I and I think Paul takes a, a lot of cues from Jesus, honestly, um, or at least from the teachings of what the disciples the apostles would have told him um I, so something else that i was thinking about was i was looking old testament a little bit okay. not, not just yeah, at jesus yeah. but like what about what about the father right because if you've seen christ then you've seen the father right right that they are they are one um and so i i think about like the story of abraham and sarah yeah because you know we've been talking about abraham quite a bit right right and when the three men come down that it's it's god and two of the sons of god right come down and they're sitting with abraham and abraham brings them a meal and god says to abraham that sarah's going to have a child and sarah laughs yes. from inside the house right and god hears it and he says why did you laugh and she says I didn't laugh. And he says, yes, you did. And that's literally the end of that chapter, right? Yes, it and is. And you're like, what an odd thing to include that God says, yes, you did. 
So then what happens later in the story? The son is born and he's given the name that means he laughs. He laughs. <laughs> and she laughs. And she says, and everyone that sees what God has given me, they'll laugh with me. Yeah. The, the God has brought me laughter and all who hear about this will laugh with me. And so it's like, I think back to that moment when God looks at Sarah and says, you did laugh. Because she says, no, I didn't, I didn't laugh because she just got called out on it. And in that moment is God not thinking, well, we'll see who gets the last laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, we'll see who laughs. You, you'll, you'll definitely laugh now. Yeah, it's a prophet Isaiah. He talks about uh, 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 people who create their own idols. And he says they take a piece of wood and with half of the piece of wood, they make an idol that they pray to and they sacrifice to. And with the other half of it, they make a campfire and they cook up their 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 supper. <laughs> hmm. You know, there's 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 some hilarity there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Job, that that God will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Yeah, yeah. Well, why would God do that unless he unless he wants that for you? Um, and, and I love that over and over again through the Psalms, especially you see. God sitting high on his throne and when he sees the evil attempts of men to overthrow his ways and to do harm to people, he laughs at them. Yeah. He laughs yeah. because they're absurd. They're, they're, this is fruitless. This, they're never going to be able to do this. And so we see God laugh for other reasons than like, that's not a happy laugh, but it's, it's like a scoff. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh Jesus um in in some of his parables uh uh a parable typically will have an uh, a setting uh something that the story is told about then it has the story itself and then it has the punchline at the very end. A lot of times the punchline is intended to either bring about shock value or laughter or uh, something that people remember. Jesus tells a parable about a man who is rich. And uh, he goes out and he looks at his barns and he says, I don't have enough room in my barns for everything that I own. So I know what I'll do. I will tear down the barns that I have and I'll build bigger barns and I'll put more stuff in them and more and more and more. And at the end of it, God says to the man, um, and I never, I never picked up on this until I was preparing for, for this podcast. Uh, God says, you fool, you're going to die tonight. And, uh, your life will be, uh, taken from you tonight. The punchline of that is then who's going to get everything that you got? Mm. Mm. Yeah. There's no luggage racks on coffins. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, that's like the the whole like you can't take it with you when you die. Exactly. I mean, we exactly. still say that, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's kind of funny that that God said it first in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. That's wild. Um what what about the idea of joy, right? Yeah, that's got to fit in here somehow. Now, Joy and laughter is not not necessarily the same thing. 
you can laugh without joy. And yes. you can be joyful without laughter. Yeah. But. But there's a tie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah many times you see one with the other, right? Yeah. Of course, and, and, the book of Philippians, I'm I'm actually going to be, uh, by the time you listen to this, I will have preached about this on Sunday. But uh, um, uh, talking about the importance of giving thanks in the book of Philippians, uh, there's a, a famous passage about giving thanks. But the vast majority of the book of Philippians is about two topics, death and joy. Hmm. Those are, those topics are repeated the same amount. It's, I forget what it is. It's like 15 or 17 times, but 17 times Paul talks about his own death. 17 times he talks, talks about rejoicing. But the point is, if we have our life in order, we can be joyful even when, like Paul, he was anticipating his own death. Right. There's uh, we, we just got done talking about peace, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you weren't here for that one. Right, right, right. Because you were on vacation. That's right. I can't say anything because I just got back to. But regardless, it's that same idea. It's being at being at peace, being joyful, even when the world isn't, right? right. That, that right. we're okay even when everything else isn't. And I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've ever laughed pretty hard at something when I wasn't like – like there's a piece in that. Yeah. You, you don't you don't generally laugh when it, – it makes you feel better, I guess is what I'm saying. Because yeah. I've laughed in some pretty hard times. I guess I should say that. Like – I it, sometimes it's a coping mechanism even for when when things are oh, tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get a good laugh in and it makes you feel better for just a second, you know. And so, yeah, I I I really do think God has designed us to value joking, to value recognizing the absurdity of chaos and the ex- absurdity of of badness so we don't want it. Right, right, right. Now Paul in at least one spot, maybe two, he talks about avoiding coarse jokes, coarse uh, talk and coarse laughter. There's a difference between jokes that tear someone else down. Right. And jokes that well, they don't necessarily build up, but but uh, they they I think what you said earlier, they point out the absurdity. Of something. Well, because that that is with the intention of you also recognizing the absurdity, exactly, and then making a life change. Yes, right. Like yes. we can we can laugh right now, or gaining wisdom through recognizing the absurdity. And there is wisdom in joking, right? There can be. Well, yeah, yeah. not all of it, but that's <laughs> what Paul's talking about here. Oh yeah. That sometimes oh, yeah. sometimes jokes are just gross, and and you know. I think in a similar way, we can laugh at like a really raunchy joke, a really bad joke. And we don't laugh because it's necessarily clever. And we don't laugh because it it's really like pointing out any good in the world. I, I feel like we almost revel in it because it's bad. Yeah. 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 Th- th- that's why we're laughing. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Ha, ha, ha. Right. And yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's something risque about that. There's something like um, – rebellious yeah. about that. And and we're 
in, in a lot of ways, I mean, that's what, what we do with sin in general. And, and I think that's what Paul is talking about. That's the coarse joking that he's talking about. Right. He doesn't want us to engage in that. Right. But. Paul himself says some pretty coarse things. He does. With it, but it's a means to a good end. And it's to point out the intensity of something, the right. importance of something. He uses harsh language at times to, to paint just how severe something is. Yeah. Um, that's different. Right. That's right, different right, than just right. saying something gross to say something gross. And, and we're being called to be people that aren't – we don't want to be associated with being gross or bad or or foul. Like we, we want to no. be beacons of light and hope right. and justice. Right. And, and if all the time we're just saying nasty things to get a rise out of people – well, that that's not a good way of becoming a respected human being, right? right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I think that I think that this is an important thing to kind of sit and ponder. And I'm gonna be honest, I got nothing else to add to this. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else? To- oh, there's a couple of other examples, but they just go over the same kind of thing. We're just running down the same point. Yeah. Um I think the answer is yes. Yeah. That Jesus does have a sense of humor, that God does value humor and he values laughter. The question is, are the reasons that we use a joke the same reasons Jesus would have used a joke? Because Jesus was spreading truth and Mm -hmm. Jesus was changing hearts even when he was joking. Um, And honestly, there's an innocence to his joking. Like mm-hmm. it's I'd it's made so. that all audiences could hear it. Yes. And even like the thing about like it goes into the sewer, a little kid is going to giggle at that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's not so bad that a little and kid couldn't hear foul. it. Right, right, right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like it, it served a purpose and it, it spread his gospel. It spread the goodness of, of Christ, the, the good news of Christ. So – the question is, are you using jokes in the same way? Am I using jokes in the same way? And the, the, the answer is most certainly no, not all the time. Um, and I think that that means we, like everything else that Jesus confronts us with, have to think, I could change that for the better. I could use that in the right ways rather than the wrong ways. Yeah. Yeah. Take some reframing. Yep. Right on. Randall. It's Very good to good. have you back. It's good to be back. This was a this was a softball pitch episode. I want I want I wanted to wanted to give you something easy on coming back, and uh, and I thank still, you I, for that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad you had a great trip, and uh, thank you to you guys sitting here and chilling with us and reflecting on some jokes and the nature of God and how it affects our lives. Uh, if you've got questions for us, you can send those to us at salty saints at becomehope.com or questions at becomehope.com. Uh, make sure to check out our friends at life audio. They have got lots and lots of resources for you um, over all sorts of aspects of scripture and Bible reading and prayer and family values and whatever you need. There's probably a podcast for it. Uh, so get over there, check them out. And until next time, stay salty. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.